Good morning. You are listening to KPOO San Francisco 89.5 and on the World Wide Web at kpoo.com. This is Prison Focus Radio. Slavery is back. In fact, it was never abolished. The 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution abolished slavery, except in prison. At the current rate of incarceration, by the year 2010, the majority of all African-American men between 18 and 40 will be in prison. The state as their captor. It's going to take people who are willing to fight, not people who want to negotiate with the enemy. Prison, prison,
All right, beautiful people, I want to thank you for joining me here this morning on Prison Focus Radio. I'm your host, Nube Brown, and you are tuned in to KPOO San Francisco 89.5, or you might be listening um, live streaming through the web at kpoo.com. Either way, I am glad that you are here with me this morning. We are going to be hearing from uh, some folks on the inside, uh, continuing to do the work, basically asserting their humanity and uh, continuing to uh, fight against their unjust treatment on the inside, uh, behind the walls, and um, reminding us that there are human beings behind these walls uh, not to be forgotten, not to be silenced. Uh, and not to be uh, disappeared. They are attached to family members, people that love them, and and their communities, and we want them home. So we're going to be hearing from a, a, a few of our people uh, here in California and um, in other parts of the country. And we are also, uh, I'm going to be giving a few updates about some of the bills that are being uh, put forth for uh, addressing the um, other death by prison sentence, life without the possibility of parole, and um, and then another bill that's addressing a solitary confinement, which has been deemed by the UN uh, Human Rights Council as torture after 15 days. And we know that there are, uh, this is a, just a, a regular form of punishment that is being meted out against our people on the inside uh, for minor infractions. Um, but for months and, in the case of our California political prisoners, decades. All right, so stay with me. And mind you, look, I know this stuff sounds heavy, but it's important information that um, I really want you to get connected to and make it a personal issue because these are our people and these are people, these are human beings. And I, I hope that you will spread this information to other people. We can't just look away and um, think that it'll just go away. Let's be deeply heartfelt community members, not complicit in these continued crimes against humanity. Find your humanity and, um, as George Jackson says, in your love and revolution. So um, revolution is about change, and we do this with, with love and true care for our people. Um, so make it personal. These are human beings, and if you and I again so glad that you tune in here, uh, because I this is our the mission here is to spotlight and highlight and uplift the humanity of our people who have been captured by the state um, in solidarity with them. Because it's not like we're doing this for them. They are doing this for themselves. We uh, are just being asked to listen and align with them and again, find our own humanity as they assert theirs. So thank you for being here and let's get to it. All right, we are going to hear from Rahim Muhammad, who actually grew up here in San Francisco. But before we hear from him, I'm actually going to read a letter that he wrote um, to me while I was at the Bayview newspaper uh, back in January. So, Assalamu alaikum, uh, Nube. Happy New Year's 2023. How is your New Year starting off? 
I sure hope better than mine. I've kicked it off in solitary confinement due to some shady stuff by the administration. I shouldn't be my sister. I've done nothing wrong to warrant this. I do believe it is something crooked. Something crooked is transpiring. These people are sick. Anyway, I wanted to say Happy New Year since I couldn't call because of the 30-minute phone restriction. This ad seg shouldn't be used as a weapon to neutralize a human being for just trying to be the best version of himself in a bad place. I love my black consciousness. It is tangibly healthy. I feel empowered and free from slavery. The chains, those mental chains, are breaking. This is what they are scared of. And prison shows what they wish they could do to these who are not to those who are not incarcerated. Instead of embracing and cultivating free thinkers, they want to now suppress those thoughts by solitary confinement. This thinking is a threat to the economic security of those who benefit the most. I almost can understand their position because this is their bread and butter. I recently requested an interstate transfer to finish my time in California. It would be nice to be at San Quentin or Solano in the sense I would be in the Bay Area and close to my community and grassroots thinkers. These same, these different people who can't digest my black consciousness. All I do is positive things. I don't engage in prison politics, drugs, alcohol, pruno, um, stealing, gangs, or any other negative or frivolous behavior. I told Mary about the entrapment scheme at Lovelock Correctional Center, Building 8, where, Building 8, where they put an inmate in my room uh, with beginning to do all sorts of illegal crap, including sneaking females into the unit for five hours at a time. Everything absent uh, everything about him stunk from day one. By day two, I knew something was up. Eventually, his phone was confiscated during a major search with several sex videos still in the phone. Inmate Michael Harris was surprisingly paroled. Every time I think about that situation, I can't help but to see a setup. I never used his cell phone or took anything from him that, introduced, that was introduced into the institution. Put that situation together with this situation and you begin to see a clearer picture. Yeah, my dear sister, we are dealing with some diabolical people who have no value for black human life other than subservience and involuntary servitude. Anyway, Sister Nube, your contribution will be rewarded in this life and the next. I was actually hoping to meet you and Mary upon release, if I can make it out of here okay. How is your health? Your mental health, too. How do you like San Francisco? That is my birthplace. I went to Sir Francis Drake, um, an Everett Middle School, Balboa High School, and San Francisco City College. I love San Francisco. It is too damn expensive. I grew up in Sunnydale Projects at the time. I, sorry, I grew up in Sunnydale Projects at the time. It was a there was a turf war between a Sunnydale and HP Hunters Point. It was so sad how much violence ensued between the two turfs. Sunnydale feuded with WP, HP, and Third Street. The black-on-black -black violence is a serious problem we need to address. I do my best to keep the peace and avoid fighting with my own kind if that means staying to myself. Normally, I'm studying and or writing and or, you know, phone, phoning and networking. I don't have time for no games whatsoever, Nube. 
every moment I'm doing something to occupy my time, even if it is watching PBS or other news outlets. When it comes to television, I try to watch informative or educational shows. Mainly, I have a, a Univision, nor, mainly I have Univision on, familiarizing myself with the Spanish language by listening intentively with the captions on in Spanish. I have a deep affinity for Latin culture, especially after living in Venezuela from 2015 to 2017. I was on my journey of healing spiritually, socially, culturally, mentally, psychologically, and emotionally from living in a racist country with a myriad of racist policies and practices. Returning back to the USA was a grave mistake, Sister Nube. Like Asada Shakur, I should have stayed my butt abroad. Leaving this country, for me, was extremely therapeutic. I wish I had the money to stay and the connections. I left on a whim, no planning, and literally no money. I plan on returning and establishing a foundation, an NGO, pairing a youth for black men to uh, cross an alternative to prison, homicide, homelessness, racism, and death. What is transpiring for millions of black men in this rich country is sick and sad. What is worse? It is now normal. Business as usual. I guess in a country where mass shootings are rampant, this is what it is. Yeah, Nube, I'm formulating some other plans for survival and success. There is plenty more I would like to share with you about my experience. Hopefully, I will be able to do that one day in person. All right, so now we're going to hear from Mahim um, in a conversation I had from him just a few days ago, uh, giving the update now that he is out of solitary confinement. Oh, I'm so glad we are finally making this connection. Yeah, I'm glad too. And, uh Good to be out of this, uh, out of the solitary confinement for the minute, you know what I mean, and be back at a camp. Uh, so I'm over here near Indian Springs uh, at Three Lakes Conservation Camp in Las Vegas. Well, near Las Vegas, about 30 minutes from Las Vegas now. So uh, after they concluded the, uh, the write-up, the disciplinary hearing, they found me not guilty of that uh, assault, what bogus assault on an officer, you know, uh, who uh, used that to justify, you know, caging me and damn near, and damn near breaking my arm or my wrist through the food slot. Yeah. Right? So uh, uh, he literally just lost his cool and yanked my arm out of that door with a, and it was handcuffed. My left hand was cuffed, Nube, uh, and I was, and I was, you know, my back was facing him, bending over uh, as he was cuffing me, and I had told him that my right hand had hurt, was hurt. And from that point on, he just lost his cool and told me to give him his hand. And I said, hey, it was hurt when he was grabbing it. And he yanked my hand, the one that was cuffed up, all the way through this food slot tray. And I started yelling because it was hurt and for help. And then he just he pulled out his taser and uh, hit me with the dry, what they call a dry stun case. You know, uh, sounded like a stun gun. But, but, yeah, it did that. And, uh... Anyway, with that being said, they had shipped me off to another prison the same day still, uh, even though they were supposed to cancel that transport and have me see medical. They didn't see medical. They didn't take any pictures of the injuries. And so I sat the hole for 10 days in Southern Desert, and then what they what, what would be equivalent to, I think, Sacramento out there in uh, headquarters for CDCR, we have uh, OMB. They ordered them to send me back to NCC to... Uh, deal with the incident, and from that incident, 
he charged, he wrote he wrote it up and falsified a report saying I tried to p- punch him or grab him in his growing areas, which they watched the camera and saw that that wasn't true, and uh, found me not guilty of the assault. So, uh, you know, now they reship me back to camp. But I had to go through all that, you know, just for an officer who lost his cool and his temper and who had a history of it, Nube, because the lieutenant said my situation was the straw that broke the camel back for for him, and they suspended him from certain sections of the prison. Uh, and oh, temporary. Yeah. They suspended him from certain sections? How about losing your job? How about <laughs> I, I, I don't mind. Well, of course, but this is how they are treated because – you know that again. The the law is not made for for the perpetrators, the real perpetrators of breaking the law. Yes, and I, and like, and like I always tell people too, this is you know this is straight. This is really systemic, man, because this has been going on from slavery to here, where the same sort of almost the same sort of rules and culture that existed back then with slaves, whereas you know your body wasn't nothing but a piece of property where they can you know, rape you, uh, castrate you, beat you, and there was no consequences. As this slave system, trans, you know, trans to me, transitioned over into the penal system, that mm-hmm. same culture of thinking of, 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 and, and behavior is prevalent now. So you just being like another, you know, somebody's property, not a human being. And so mm-hmm. we can, we can, that's what giving him the impunity. We can just beat you, do this, and I'm, and I'm going to get away with it. I'm well, going to get away with it. And that's exactly what happens out here. But, I mean, of course, and it's not something that you think, Raheem, you actually know. I mean, in the 13th Amendment Exception Clause states very clearly. I mean, that's just that document. But we know, like you said, it's systemic because it's historic and systemic. It is by design. I mean, that's how it how it started. The penitentiary was, was started for a completely different reason. It's for, for to penitence you know, to be absolved of your sin of, of a crime. And mostly white people were in those in, in those prisons. And we know that slave catchers just became the police, they became the sheriffs, and then the guards. Mm, yes, yes. And exactly. that's what the 13th Amendment Exception Clause codifies all of that. You know, sometimes it's hard to wrap our brain around the fact that legal slavery is still taking place because we have been indoctrinated to believe that slavery was abolished through the Emancipation Proclamation in 1865, and we know. And so it's difficult, and also the 13th Amendment, right, it says slavery and voluntary servitude is abolished. They call it the abolition of slavery amendment. But if we don't read carefully with that exception clause and then find out about all the history behind behind it as well, then we know that something's up, but we just don't have necessarily language, and I think it's sometimes hard to wrap our brain around it. But So I'm so sorry because, like you said, it is systemic, and everything that you had to go through to find – so that means how many other people were brutally assaulted by this person before they finally said, okay. <laughs> like, y'all don't get that many chances. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, like, what's going to take – like, what's going to be the next – Think with him, and, and and also, they also are messing up our, our extending our date, our time in prison with that. So incidents happening each time we lose days while we're in a hole because we're not working. So our date moves away from us, uh, and so like mine did, mine's moved away from my, from me. And now I just had to talk with my new caseworkers today about it, and I got very emotional about it because it was just like just talking about that just really made me upset. 
to where they was like, you know what? You must get, you know, I think I'm going to refer you to a therapist because see, this is the first black case where I've had since I've been down named Miss Lynch. And she even read over the report and was like, yeah, well, even to her, she was like, well, why didn't he just back up? If the door was closed and it was a slot tray because he used to be an officer. Why didn't he just back up away from the door instead of doing what he did to you? And I said exactly, but bottom line is I never did that to him. That report was falsified to justify what he did. So, yes, he could have just backed up if that even happened, but in this case, it never happened. I never reached out to exactly. the individual. And so uh, now I'm, you know, then even though they found me not guilty of the assault on the officer, they turned around and did something even, uh, another uh, uh, violation of my right. Which I was stunned by this particular lieutenant. She found me guilty of a lesser charge saying I was de- called delaying and hindering. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, uh, Ms. Uh, Fono, that's short for Fani uh, Mahani. I said, I, you can't charge me with, you can't. He wrote me up for assault. He didn't write me up for delaying and hindering. So how am I getting this charge? Well, uh, I can't leave you out of here unscathed. And yes, that's what her comment, and I don't have time to give you what they call a prelim, a preliminary hearing, meaning if she was going to do this, she needed to go through another due process like, okay, now I'm charging you with this. How do you so you just it? have to be guilty of something because it can't just be straight that the guard is a, a liar and um, and to complete and utter misconduct and abuse. It yes. must be, there must be something that you're guilty of. Yes, something you did wrong, something that provoked okay. God to do this. And I was very shocked at this particular lieutenant because she used to be my, my direct supervisor that I worked for for about eight months. And so she already knew what sort of individual I was in the sense of character. And so that's another thing, like, okay, we know Muhammad just didn't do nothing like this. He's been working for us and he's no trouble for four years. So, but she still did something. I don't know if it came down from her. Uh, her superiors told her to do this, or that was a decision she made on her own. That I would never know. And they, you know how this games work. Somebody could tell her, hey, the AWO, find them. No, but the son. system allows this, Raheem. That's yes. the thing. So wherever yes. it came from is a part of this system. Yes. Yes. And then you also had to not only de- and then talk about delay of injury. You were delayed medical care and then put in solitary confinement. Absolutely. And every policy was broken. Their use of force policy was completely disregarded and recklessly disregarded at that time. Uh, and so uh, I noticed that, you know, so I didn't learn that until I started reading their use of force policy, mm-hmm. which I was able to quote and then submit with, the, with you know, with additional documents. Uh, and so now, and once, once again, so they recognize all the things went wrong. But then again, one lieutenant said, hey, Muhammad, don't worry about nothing. You didn't do anything. And then the other lieutenant taking me to a hearing and still finding, finding me not guilty, but then doing what she did with the, with the, with the new charge, which I, it's on appeal. That particular charge, I appealed it to the head warden, you know, of course, saying, hey, listen, there's no way you can do this without a hearing, without going through the proper procedures. And so with that being said, uh, uh, yeah, she's found guilty. She found the guilty of what they call a G18, which is a general, not a major. Which still, I didn't want that. I, I don't deserve that. You should be apologizing, saying we're apologizing for what happened. How can we compensate or remedy you because of what you went through? 
uh, and restore you, completely restore you to back where you were. And instead, like you said, we have to pull something out of that. And so that's another issue now that I'm currently litigating uh, to try to, uh, uh, that I'm litigating to try to fix this situation because uh, uh, it's at the IG's office still. His stuff is still under investigation. Uh, but the remedy, you know, uh, to what he did to me, uh, I'm still working on that angle right now. And I'm just asking them right now, listen, man, just send me to a community trustee program. I'm not trying to go through a, a whole bunch of litigation with you guys. As far as I'm concerned, it's a slam dunk case. At the end of the day, I just want to get out of the prison system and get near into the community and get away from you guys and also allow myself to go to a real job to be economically empowered because they have a transitional community trustee program, uh, one called Casa Grande near here in Vegas, and the other one is the restitution center in Reno, but they allow you to go to a real job and you make real money, you know, whatever they wages may be. And mm-hmm. so I'm asking them uh, to avert and to avert a lawsuit and to compensate me, can we please just settle here, settle with this right now so uh, I can, you know, go get ready to start going home and make my own money. I don't need you guys to give me anything, but give me the opportunity at least to make my own money and be in a better environment. You know, I, I need therapy. That's the best therapy you can give me, just getting me out of your prison system. I don't need to talk to a psychologist right now. I really that says everything. Yes, let me start, let me catch the bus to work how that goes. Let me do this and let me do this and so I can move on with my life and put this behind me because uh, that's where I'm at. Because being in that solitary confinement, I mean, I really, I know this sounds crazy, but Dubai, I felt so close to death for some reason this time. And I've done time in the hole before when I was my first prisoner, but this time I felt like, you know, you know that, that they were really up to something, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and, and just, I guess it was I guess you can call it PTSD. I was really went through a traumatic moment being in solitary confinement, 24 hours a day, and then just thinking and thinking, like, what are they going to do next? What's wrong? Uh, you know, what are they up to? And that was a 24-hour, you know, anxiety that was going through me all the time. So, you know, I was just like, you know what? I just really want to get home to my kids. I wanted to leave, leave them with something. Uh, these people, it's like they're, they'll kill you in here, it seems like it. You know what I mean? It's not physically, you know, mentally. Or emotionally, so you know, uh, I came to the thing like you know, I just want to get away from you guys, and just get me away from you guys, and let me get to the community, get back home to my to the Bay Area, to my community, you know, where because I feel like what I went through is really a domino effect of structural racism, and the reason why I say that because the constant incident, uh, incident. You have happened, one minute left. Oh, thank. Oh, I was going to tell you, they actually called early child too, so that was perfect. I didn't know they called the child so early right now, so I got to go pick up my Ramadan meal. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm fasting, and I, I've seen everybody going to dinner, and nobody's telling me nothing here. They're going to pick up burgers or whatever they're oh doing. Usually it's after 5 o'clock. So I okay. <laughs> you go take care of your thing. Call me again when you can. I will try to pick up, okay? Um, this is really important because there's some more things, that, uh, some other things I want to talk to you about. But before they cut us off, stay up, stay strong. Um, and I'm I'm, I'm really um, grateful that you're telling this story and um, hopefully you're sharing it with um, others inside as well. But we'll talk some more about that, okay? And yes. blessed be to you um, and continue with your practice of Ramadan. Appreciate yes, you. Yes, you too. And I'll be praying for you, Grudo, and, and I'll keep in touch with you. And uh, you let me know when the best time to call you again. Uh, I can see, I guess you're not at the 
Over to you at the base. Thank you for using Securus. Goodbye. All right. I hope you understand or feel, you know, motivated and activated when you hear these stories. Uh, they are, we are fighters in the inside. We are caging genius and intelligence and um, creativity um, and, 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 and power and really positively thinking people who, again, are asserting their humanity and, and, and recognizing when their human and civil rights are being violated, when their, human right, when their humanity is being violated. We should all be motivated by that and encouraged by that to uh, see where that's happening for us and are we standing up and fighting for ourselves and our family and our communities in the same manner and alongside our uh, caged community members. All right. Um, uh, there was a, an interview that I was hoping to get today, um, but that doesn't look like it's going to happen. So after the musical break, we um, I'm going to be reading a letter from Joe Ajene Valentine. He is uh, held captive at a Sentinella State Prison here in California, and he wrote an article that I am going to read just after the musical break. So see you back after that. Oh, and if you are just joining us, you are listening to Prison Focus Radio. I am your host, Nube Brown. You are tuned in to KPOO San Francisco 89.5, or possibly hearing, listening um, live stream at kpoo.com. Thank you. 
that is Stories We Build, Stories We Tell by Jose Gonzalez. All right, so here is the uh, letter from Joe Agene Valentine. George Washington was King George's terrorist. Quote, what can be worse than the dropping of the atom bomb on defeated enemies, killing eight million countrymen to offset economic woes as Robespierre did? slaughtering a hundred million Chinese to keep opium in China, as the British did, and another hundred million Africans in the slave trade. And we can go on ad nauseum. This is from the book Metuneter, Volume 1, page 169. Do you know or realize how many were killed or severely injured during World Wars I and II, the American colonial wars waged against the Vietnamese, Cambodians, Laoans, Filipinos, Koreans, etc.? What about those colonial wars waged against all of Africa and all of the Americas by France, Great Britain, Italy, Portugal, and the Dutch, the United States, and Spain, etc., etc.? What about how many people were butchered by Japan during that country's colonial wars? What about those class wars waged in Europe during medieval times? What about the millions or more lives destroyed in Indonesia with the direct aid of America's CIA? The genocide in Rwanda? and the Congo, or lives robbed by colonialists or invaders like Napoleon, Cortez, Columbus, Cecil Rhodes, Livingston, etc.? What about the lives obliterated by the Catholic Roman Church via the, edit, the edict of its popes in the Americas, Africa, Asia, and Europe? The lives decimated by the Roman Empire? What of those, invis those eviscerated by America's A-bombs in Japan and those lives disposed of during the Great Industrial Revolution in the United States and across Europe? What about those human souls discarded like cr trash during the Crusades initiated by fanatical butchering Arab Muslims in the name of Allah, just as was done to Africans across especially North Africa to include enslaving African people? What of those innocent people gutted, stabbed, or decapitated by the bloodthirsty forces of Alexander the Great, Genghis Khan, Attila the Hun, and others of ancient times? Sadly, this list of violent brutality and human carnage and alienation and devaluation of the other can probably go on and on and on. Whether the motivations for human wars or blood death be based on religious conquests like Arab Islamic jihads in Arabia, Africa, etc., or European Christian Catholic pogroms across Europe, Asia, Africa, and the Americas, etc., or ethnic tribalism like the Tutsis versus the Hutus, Anglo-Saxons versus the Irish, etc., or racism, like Hitler, America's founding fathers, popes, Arab Islam Islamic leaders, colonial empires, etc., or patriarchal domination of females and women, like in, you know, the Euro-Judaism, Euro-Christianity Catholicism, Arab Islam, Aryan Hinduism, etc., or economics, like slavery, feudalism, capitalism, or alleged socialism, or political systems, like the monarchical role, democratic-republican rule, etc. The evidence is very clear. The human world is unnaturally one rooted in and motivated by brutally violent alienation. Quote, it is important to stress the historical specificity of this patriarchal paradigm. Patriarchy was not developed universally all over the globe, but by distinctive patriarchal societies. They include the Jews, the Aryans, Indians and Europeans, the Arabs, the Chinese, and their respective religions. The rise and the universalization, 
sorry, the rise and the universalization of all these civilizations, but particularly the Judeo-European one, is based on conquest and war. Maria Mize, from the book Patriarchy and Accumulation on a World Scale, page 66. Just a side note, I, of course, asking the question, when was this book written? I'm going to have to check that out, because... Any of this sound familiar about what's taking place in today's world? Yes, you read it right. Arab Islam also played and continues to play a most destructive conquering role in Africa. After all, last time I checked, African people didn't invite Arab Muslims to occupy most, if not all, of North Africa, as it was especially Arab Islam which imposed, in the name of Allah, the devastating patriarchal ethos and domineering practice on our motherland that led to matriarchal forms being either totally eliminated or disrupted on a severe level. But I digress. In fact, the fact is, if it were feasible to truly calculate the history of the loss of human life by man's wars, conquests, colonial invasions, class-caste struggles, religious carnage, ethnic tribal conflicts, etc., etc., it would of certainty be in the billions of human beings, mainly, as is usual, and thus premeditated, innocent and manipulated poor and working class to include serfs, exploited and oppressed, as well as dominated folks, who've perished or been denied the right to life just as is actually still occurring at this very moment in human history all across the globe as the poor and working class folks are involved in fighting and dying and killing for the super rich and the powerful. For instance, they're dying and suffering based on ultimately the quite devious motivations or brutal calculations of especially ruling class caste men, even as, of course, history records or provides ample proof that women queens of Europe, etc., of history's ruling classes, caste systems were behind their men, like the kings and the presidents and prime ministers and senators and congressmen, etc., as definite supporters of this human carnage. Yes, this is so, even as many mothers of the lower classes, caste systems, proudly encourage their sons and today daughters to kill and die on behalf of history's ruling classes, caste rulers. I mean, Men of every ethnic, tribal group, race, class, caste, political ideology, and religion, well, not in the case of African-based religions, since these didn't speak to superimpose their idea of God on other people by any form of violence. Even when it comes to African Americans, we too encourage our sons and daughters to proudly commit their lives and blood toward the security and profit accumulation of the white supremacist imperialist ruling, classes, ruling class by engaging in foreign wars. Indeed, some of the human wars or blood-death conflicts were, in fact, necessary engaged in based on purely moral or ethical motivations, such as, for example, those wars waged for national liberation, provoked by murderous colonial powers like Great Britain, France, Italy, Germany, Japan, Portugal, Spain, Canada, Israel, Africans, United States, Russia, etc., etc., etc. Even as when one looks deeper at all of these wars, conflicts, you'll discover, in all likelihood, the real and hidden motivation was, and ever is, wealth and power for ruling classes and caste systems under the dictate of primarily men, be he in religious cloth, a king's garb, a business suit, or military uniform. So yes, 
I'll concede here that some wars and conflicts are indeed noble endeavors and actually obligatory sacrifices demanded <clears throat> by human identification with those who are killed, injured, attacked, and suffer the violation of their human rights at the hands of men who violently impress upon them their brutal will for reasons of exploitation and domination. In the case of human violence and death inflicted by the hands of men and women who truly are morally un unevolved and selfish motivated, burglars, robbers, thieves, rapists, molesters, gangsters, gang members, racists, sexists, etc. I am not hardly exempt since I've inflicted harm and violence on the African-American New African community, the nation, in my adolescent days of profound ignorance and immaturity as a former blood, bounty hunter, gang member. No, in my moral immaturity, I also engaged in violence or unethically motivated violence, which was rooted in alienation and deep brainwashing via the immature negative influence of the so-called OGs, as well as American gangster movies. Yes, I too was once under the control of negative and destructive external forces, which managed to climb in my vulnerable psyche, as well as by the human ego. For that fact, I sincerely and deeply contrite and extend my apologies to the new African community and have committed the rest of my days alive toward making amends and contributions. However, what now differentiates me from most men of the past and those of today, as far as those engaged in thinking and behavior mo motivated by conquest, invasion, domination, exploitation, and oppression, is that I fully admit I was wrong. Even as the violence in which I engaged was not motivated by an ideology and worldview rooted in an ethos of domination, oppression, racism, ethnic tribalism, new African or African-American people are one tribe, religious sectarianism, class caste, and nor exploitation. I harmed and committed gang violence against my own new African community of Watts, California, in my foolery and even while engaged in gang-motivated violence in penal systems like the juvenile halls, county camps, CYAs, county jail, and prisons. Yes, I've encouraged and endorsed, to my mind, necessarily required violence based on racial conflicts while in prison, even though, the truth be told and the fact is, those new Africans like myself in the past and today were were and often are forced by circumstances to engage in survival of the fittest violence because of being the objects of racist disdain and targets of racist domination violence via white supremacist motivated gangs and those in authoritarian uniforms uniforms to include Mexican-Americans, or particularly and especially Southern California, who are themselves under the deep spell of white supremacist ideas, since they have a definite track record of adopting and practicing racist ideas and behavior right along with their allies of the white race. This racist-motivated thinking and behavior is daily observed in America's prisons, county jails, etc., and general society in terms of being perpetrated and directed against so-called African Americans who are assaulted, attacked, and even murdered by other people of color in gangs and uniforms alike, not to hardly deny or n nor ignore the fact of blacks themselves who are initiating some of these conflicts based on this or that motive. For example, we, too, are far from being just as deeply influenced by racist-based ideas injected in their minds.
That's ruling class America's purposeful strategy and tactic of divide and conquer. Indeed, capitalism encourages and influences this type of self-defeating racial bias for purposes of not just to foster and sustain the conditions for divisions, but especially for the primary motive of economic financial competition on an intensely individualistic level. Yes, it's particularly and especially the idea of private property and profit accumulation rooted in the highly valued ideology of individualism, which is the key toward grasping the actual and ultimate dynamic at work as far as racial biases go. Yet, we all know that when it comes to ideas rooted in and motivated by racism, ism, a distinctive doctrine here in America, African Americans and other people of color, even though the last time I checked, white is also a color, don't practice ideas rooted in and motivated by racism. I mean by this, in terms of racism being defined and functioning on the plane of institutional frameworks or as to be correctly understood from a technical and structural standpoint. Racism, like sexism, classism caste, sectarianism, tribalism, etc., is a horrendously violent, destructive phenomenon perpetrated via institutions, even as those who dare to resist such are viewed and treated as the criminals or terrorists in this topsy-turvy world. Quote, Europe was not invaded by Africans, but Africa was invaded by predatory Europeans. This is from page 66, but I don't know from what book. Oh, sorry. Um, Oliver Cox stated that capitalism was international from its beginnings. He believed it led to underdevelopment of indigenous peoples where it came into contact with them through slavery, genocide, forced migration, or combinations of various forms of exploitation. Cox believed that racial exploitation and race prejudice developed among Europeans with the rise of capitalism and nationalism, and that because of the worldwide ramifications of capitalism, all racial antagonisms could be traced to the policies and attitudes of the leading capitalist people, the white people of Europe and North America. This is from Muhammad Ahmad from the book We Will Return in the Whirlwind, pages 313 to 314. So I'm thinking the other quote was from that as well. Thus, by institutional, I have in mind the White House, Pentagon, Catholic Church, Protestant Church, judicial system, military, CIA, FBI, law enforcement, corporations, industries, NFL, MBA, NCAA, universities, colleges or schools generally, Hollywood, Wall Street, real estate agencies, banks, financial agencies, etc., etc., meaning then true and actual. Functional racism is systematically based and motivated at its core, and we all know who not only devised these, but whom also remain at the helm of these white men, billionaires, and millionaires. The United States is deliberately structured on the basis of racial hierarchies in order for those at its apex to achieve or realize sustained profit accumulation toward wealth power, preeminence over, no, preeminence ever rooted in and motivated by violence. Yes, by those men at the pinnacle of this society who stress to us 
the ethical value and importance of adopting a nonviolent outlook, right along with their toms at our expense, those beneath their racist, fascist, blood-soaked feet. But I digress. At any rate, we see then that human beings are unnaturally an extremely violent species, even as, in truth, the bulk of the intense forms of violence death in which we engage militaries, law enforcement, mercenaries, judicial system, penal system, religious institutions, corporations, political institutions, industries, educational institutions which perpetrate psychic violence, etc., is perpetrated by ruling classes. Question. Is there ever a legitimate moral or ethical reason or motive to commit an act of violence or to kill another human being? To my mind, an objective reality confirms such. That's a definite affirmation. Sorry, that's a definite affirmative or yes, obviously so. Since who doesn't support and accept the need for the people of Ukraine to defend their homeland and lives be and lives, be it by bullets, guns, knives, or missiles. Indeed, there are positive reasons for committing violence or killing another human being, which is justifiable on the moral plane. For example, I certainly think and accept that violence perpetrated against racist-based institutions, which harm and destroy the lives of those targeted by such, is ethically correct, as otherwise those negatively impacted by racist policies and practices shall simply go on being harmed and lives destroyed unless you're a person whom naively and dangerously believes that such destructive and violent-based and motivated phenomena such as, for example, slavery, racist-based and motivated penal systems, etc., will simply cease being racist without a resolved confrontation by all means necessary to realize a people's human and civil rights. Hitler and others of his ilk would have loved those in which he sought to exterminate to operate on the simple-minded basis of absolute nonviolence, since it would have naturally made their total conquest or decimation that much easier. I think and accept that it's quite sane and logical to commit violence against anyone who has as their motive the oppression, brutal exploitation, and domination of another person or group toward wealth power via a murderous program and ideology. One form of violence is actually done for the greater good, while the other form of violence, like Hitler and those of his ilk in Germany, the United States, Europe, etc., is done for immoral motives, rooted in an ethos towards conquest. To my mind, Nat Turner, Harriet Tubman, Gabriel Prosser, Denmark Vesey, Asada Shakur, Marcus Garvey, Queen Mother Moore, Robert F. Williams, etc., etc., had the absolute right and indeed moral obligation to engage in provoked violence. After all, it was and remains the slave master, capitalist imperialist, and feudal classes which initiated and initiates the murderous, injurious violence. Isn't it? Yes. All people on this earth have a right to engage in defensive violence if conditions dictate that such must be done toward freeing themselves from their alien and indeed homegrown oppressors. No, neither the oppressor, exploiter, and nor those under their thumb shouldn't and don't have a monopoly on violence. This is so. No matter what Jesus Christ, Gandhi, Martin Luther King Jr., Mother Teresa, Nelson Mandela, or any other pacifist might express in opposition to this logically and indeed morally correct position, as is precisely why, again, most favor violent means being deployed when it comes to America, with a K, and other countries arming and aiding to perf 
protect, defend the Ukrainian people in 2023, in which Russia is intent on conquering or making bow down. The basic fact is, just like in the animal kingdom, human beings have a natural right reaction to ever protect, defend, therefore fight or flight themselves. Like their homes, lands, natural resources, and raw materials, cultures, lives, etc. Since obviously, void of these life necessities, one is left at the mercy of the natural world as well as human invaders whose motive is to exploit and oppress, dominate that that people invaded, correct? Yes, they'll do so until hell freezes over, or that people whom they impress bring the fire. The basic point being here stressed is this. What type of world do we survive in, and what forces designed it, and toward what end? Am I advocating violence? No. What I'm advocating is our survival and security in positive development on the basis of total self-determination and independence. And if that natural human right and imperative requires violence, then so be it. Isn't this precisely what George Washington advocated when he, I believe it was him, declared, give me liberty or death, while being supplied with weapons by France, etc., as a necessary means to realize his people's freedom from exploitation and domination, even as he and his rotten ilk were demanding the very freedom which they denied the Native Americans? Our war drum, Tupac Shakur, told us two invaluable things to ever remember since these are extremely vital to truly grasp and to take to heart as the implications are very serious to just ignore or to simply dismiss as rhetoric. What he said was, they don't give a F about us. And it was given this world, I I was given this world, I didn't make it. So for the truly caring and perceptive hearts out there, the crucial questions is the crucial question sorry the crucial questions in which to critically ponder and answer are these <clears throat> who is it that don't give a f about us and who is it that made this world yes we know very well although our ancestors and even those subsequent them such as our african american sharecroppers etc and even today actually built this country via unpaid slave labor and for a little of nothing. On an ultimate level, it was and remains workers of every ethnic group or race in this nation who did much of the hard work building America. Yet, the system scheme was devised by those at the apex based on realizing their motivations rooted ever in apex predatorial appetites in materialism and finance capital. Thus, the clue as to the question, who is it that made this world, in which our brother Tupac said was given to us, is actually discovered in what I've just said. The ruling class gave us and made this world, just as it was the slave master ruling class who made the horrendous world of slavery in which our ancestors were meant to be exploited and dominated under forever. But for the application of positive and morally correct violence via the unionists and brave ancestors such as Harriet Tubman and others, a world which gave and gives us the violence and death of billions, millions via starvation, constant wars, incurable diseases, poisonous diets, ecological disasters, etc., etc. A world in which I often swear at God about and deeply regret I was ever born in, since it seems that there exists more ugly than beauty, more hatred than love, more pain than joy, more hopelessness than hope, more lies than truth. 
and more disunity than unity in recognition of one humanity. But no, it's not God's fault, and nor it's world that's at fault, or is the problem. But in truth, it's the fault of selfish, power-hungry, and materialist-driven human beings, since in fact it is their ideas and philosophies which operated and continues to operate toward making a world of oppression, exploitation, and domination, domination in which we were gave and given. So, what's the moral of the story, you say? Well, the moral of the story, to my mind, is we must give a F about us, as well as give ourselves a world in which we make by our resolved fight. This is an intelligent and wise imperative and sane obligation if we truly desire to build those qualitative conditions for real love and sustained peace in positive development in which all of humanity has a natural right to enjoy. In Total Liberation, Joa Jenny Valentine. If you'd like to write him, his slave number is C47779. He's at Sentinella State Prison, P.O. Box 921. His cell and bed number is A4-225, Imperial, California, 92251. All right, beautiful people, that is our show for the week. I want to invite you to save the dates of July 28th, 29th, and 30th, where there will be a webinar slash a gathering um, hosted by Prison Lives Matter and Liberate Our Elders. We're going to be bringing together um, different uh, representatives from uh, uh, different sectors of our society that are working together to uh, decolonize, um, educate, uh, build programs uh, to counter the crimes against humanity that are continuing to take place against the people on all fronts. So we will also be uh, talking more about that next week, um, where I will be um, interviewing Kwame Bean Shakur, the uh, director and co-founder of uh, Prison Lives Matter, and we will also be introducing um, the building of a People's Senate, which is a continuation of the guilty verdict that came from the Tribunal of 2021, where the international jurists did in fact find America with Three Ks Inc. guilty of genocide on all five counts. So you definitely want to be hearing about this. We are on the move, people. All right, get ready for Work Week with Steve Seltzer. <music>